And welcome to our Talking Preps podcast listeners. This is Paul Clauda. I'm the high school sports editor at the Minneapolis Star Tribune. And I'm joined by my colleague and uh, smart reporter, David Levake, who has uh, normally been the half of this podcast along with his partner, Jim Paulson. Jim's not with us today, so uh, Dave's going to have to carry the load all by himself. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing well, but you know, we're, this is audio only, so we don't know we're not video on. So I think it's, we're coming up on four months since we've seen each other then, huh? <laughs> well, we've, we've done a little bit of zooming and uh, teams, teams calling. So we've had a, we've had glimpses of each other in our COVID uh, hairy states. Uh, but the last thing, last time I saw something with you, I thought you looked like you'd cleaned up pretty well. I've I've had two uh, visits to the to the uh, barber uh, since since all this began, so I've 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 definitely cleaned up my act. <laughs> well, I've got one scheduled, so uh, I'll try to try not to let the listeners know what I look like as we go through here. Hey, I wanted to just kind of start out by saying the last time we podcasted, if I can use that as a verb, um, Jim uh, Paulson and uh, girls basketball insider Grant McGinnis led the conversation and the headline back then uh, was how do you stop Becker's comma Hopkins from winning another state title? A pandemic. A pandemic would do it. Yeah. <laughs> how about that? <laughs> Who knew? Uh, so four months have rolled by since then. Uh, you know, that girls tournament never finished. The boys basketball tournament never really got to the state tournament level. Uh, spring sports were kind of bouncing in uh, in limbo there for a while, and then the plug got pulled, obviously. Um, we march into the summer, and here we come up upon, uh, you know, here, about, what, three weeks from the start of fall practice, and, oh, guess what? It's a little bit uncertain what's going to happen, and you, you've had a chance to uh, kind of witness uh, firsthand what some of the leaders of the high school sports scene have been doing and saying and thinking and talking about uh, just this week. So why don't you kind of update us on what you've been uh, tuned in on? Well, the, the two meetings that happened this week on Monday, the uh, a portion of the board had a uh, virtual workshop. And at this that is the meeting, Minnesota State High School League board. What did you say about talking over one another? Yeah. <laughs> yes, the Minnesota State High School League. Um, they had a workshop Monday, and they had a board of directors meeting Tuesday. Um, Monday, the talk was about options for fall sports and, you know, basing what they do off of what the governor, the Department of Health, the Department of Education, and how they will make the determinations on the return to school plans for the fall. What does the high school league need to be doing uh, in response as far as do you, and some of, the, some of the options being tossed around was, do you shorten the fall and all the seasons a little bit? Uh, do you reduce the number of games within seasons? Do you I'll eliminate the section and state tournaments as we know them and we and just put the focus on trying to create an experience where the kids can get their training and their camaraderie and their their, their what they receive from their coaches and and 
be active and competing, but but in a in a different with a different outcome in mind. Just maybe maybe just the fact that you can be together and compete is is the championship this year. Maybe it's not headed toward a culminating tournament. So all of that was very fascinating. As was the idea that you know some things uh, sports wise aren't going to work in the metro area because of you know that there's you know we're, we're we're a little bit more tighter packed and and the there's there's been a little bit more uh in terms of if higher numbers and things with with uh, people dealing with the coronavirus maybe ely and grand rapids and caledonia they don't have those option you know those obstacles so maybe they maybe different parts of the state can be allowed to do a little bit more than other parts of the state so all of that was just again fodder for discussion and for consideration but i, I found it all pretty fascinating and just to kind of fill in a couple of small gaps, you were not actually physically present at this meeting. You were participating through uh, a Zoom style setup. So the meeting itself was a virtual meeting, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I used virtual at the beginning. Uh, I, I obviously wasn't <laughs> listening, which is what I typically do as an editor. Um, yeah, the other thing I want yeah. The other thing I was going to say is the governor, uh, you mentioned the governor, the health department, the education department, the, the belief is that pretty widely reported that they're weighing, you know, what looks like three options. One would be a return to school buildings, much like, you know, we've grown up with and come, become accustomed to. Uh, another option would be a kind of a mix of in-building class uh, school activity and perhaps some um, uh, distance learning yeah hybrid of distance learning and then the th another option would be just full-on distance learning which was the approach that was used in the spring and in the spring when the state moved to distance learning for everybody the high school league fairly quickly followed suit with a you know a across the board cancellation of uh, spring sports and I remember hearing and reading some of the reaction to that, you know, and, and then seeing sports like golf that emerge. You know, people were able to play golf before they could do other things. And some people wondering, you know, gee, couldn't couldn't the high school league offer, you know, have golf going on? And in the in the spirit of you know having schools completely closed and canceling all activities, you know, that's you, know, you could argue that maybe some activities could have gone on, but you raise. Uh, in a number of the ideas you mentioned from the meeting on Monday, that a lot of these ideas that suggest maybe the picture, especially if schools resume in some kind of a mixed fashion, could wind up with a little bit more of a mixed bag of some things happen, some things don't, some things happen differently, um, right. which is very different than what we saw in the spring. Well, and then there was talk of, well, can you flip the fall sports to the spring and one of the board members, uh, Russ Reitz from the, the activities director of Prior Lake, he used the term nuclear option, which to me says, yes, we know it's, it's available, but we really don't want to go there, you know, if we can help it. Uh, or maybe we don't want to really go there at all, because let's face it, the spring is no greater certainty than, than what we're looking at right now heading into the fall. In terms of, uh, you mean the COVID pandemic situation? Correct. Um, of course, you are seeing examples of, you know, kids are able to get together and do some kind of baseball and softball. And so the idea of them getting some experience doing that in the fall would certainly seem to be a doable one. But you're, you're saying that a concern is 
flipping something like football to spring is no sure thing, you know, from a correct. The other thing that was brought to light in the article that we wrote on Monday for Tuesday's paper was Edina was a, a real personification of, of the frustration that that administrators feel about about containing the pandemic. I think that schools are doing things right in, for, in terms of how they've handled summer training. Um, I think they've been, kids have kept their proper spacing on the fields and, and the schools have been very, you know, rigid in terms of, uh, okay, you know, you come in and there's a cone where you put your bags so that you, you know, your bags are spread out by six feet. And when you're on the field, uh, you're training, you're, you're doing your, your strength and conditioning, you're, you're properly spaced out and, and so I think the schools have been doing things right, but then they'll watch six kids get into a car at the end of at the end of the session, and they really don't have jurisdiction over that. Edina became a personification of it because they had to to uh, to, to shut down and to limit some of their summer training in, in various sports, uh, male and female, because a group of males were out of town at a cabin and visited another group of males at a cabin. And somebody brought back the coronavirus, and then it, it ended up uh, infecting about 20 students over an eight to nine day period. And it, it, it was uh, both genders of uh, soccer, both genders of lacrosse, it was dance, it was cheerleading. So what started as a, a, an issue among some male students, you know, quickly became a larger issue for, for, for both genders. So I think it really speaks to the unpredictability of, of the coronavirus and, and the frustration of, you know, gosh, you do everything right. And then, and, you know, one person or a couple people get caught up and, and now you've got a problem on your hands. Yeah, that was an amazing, I thought an amazing illustration of just what a, what a tricky situation um, schools and then by extension, these school activities at the high school league oversees uh, what a tricky situation, situation this is. Um, but here we are. Uh, I think your story mentioned that you know had on Monday where they were ostensibly talking about what should we do or what are some ideas is three weeks, or excuse me, five weeks out five from weeks. the start of fall practice. Uh, we've been told that the decision about what will happen with school with school in the fall is likely to, to emerge. Uh, during the week of July 27th, which is now less than two weeks away, uh, when the governor's expected to say something that would, you know, indicate what's the plan, you know, and, and that I think our sense is that the high school league wants to be positioned at that point to be able to say, okay, if that's the plan for schools, here's the plan for activities. Do I have that right? That's exactly it. And so, <laughs> you know, they're, they're an organization, the high school league is, been great over the years at sort of having things planned out, you know, well in advance and kind of knowing where things are headed. But here we are, you know, in barely a month from the start of practice and there's sort of this, we don't know what we're going to do. That's got to be incredibly challenging for the people trying to resolve this. Right. And then Tuesday at the board of directors meeting, what we found is the high school league is going to put together a task force to prepare their responses to those, what we're assuming are the three possible scenarios that the, you know, that the governor ha will have to choose from. And, and the task force is a combination of the league's eligibility committee 
but also then some liaisons from different parts of the state so that those different parts of the state, I think, can be heard, but also can say, hey, you know, we're in good position to have sport X where maybe somebody in the metro isn't. And, and so, you know, we'd like to find a way to, to, to have sport X. So, um, so that was, it was the, it was the action that came out of Tuesday, even though it doesn't get us closer to an answer right now. Um, and then the other big piece that came out of Tuesday was a task force that was created to take on um, the situation with the league's budget and, um, and, and the financial the dire financial challenges are, that are ahead. Um, particularly if we don't have fall activities or, or maybe not winter activities. That, that task force um, is, as I understand it from reading your, your coverage and talking with you about this, is going to essentially take up the challenge of here's your Minnesota State High School League, which uh, generates, what, about $9 million a year in revenue, you know, in a normal, in a normal year. Um, how to, you know, maybe rethink how it approaches running its business, given that it generates 80 percent of the revenue that it brings in from state tournaments. Um, some of them are tournaments like the hockey tournament, the basketball, boys basketball tournament, the football tournament, where they bring in more than they spend. So they generate, you know, some excess that helps to fund other tournaments that don't necessarily, you know, bring in more than they spend. But the idea is the tournaments are the key to running that budget. Um, what you heard at that meeting on Tuesday, if I understand it right, is they want to shift that or they need, they're saying that model doesn't work anymore given the realities of, uh, of 2020. Talk a little bit about what you heard there. Well, it's a matter of the, the pandemic has really brought the situation that they've been struggling with for a while. It really intensified the frustrations because you've got 80% of your budget tied up in tournaments and sponsorships and television revenues. All of those are tied to the health of the state tournaments and the health of the state tournaments uh, can be affected by, it can be affected by the weather. We saw that in, in particularly in football, uh, how mm -hmm. the gate can be affected. Um, you know, you, you don't get inside until the semifinal round and the final round. And, and uh, you know, so you've got that piece. Uh, sometimes it can be a matter of which teams are in it and how well do they travel and what kind of support are they getting? And, and so, so you've got all these, and then, you know, sponsorships, same. So you've got these, a lot of uncertainty and a lot of things you can't control about state tournaments, yet that's 80% of your revenue. That that the, you know meanwhile you've got 20 percent of your revenue and we're, we're oversimplifying here but but we'll call it 20 percent of the revenue that's generated comes from fees that the, the 500 member high schools pay for activities and for membership that's 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 your solid you can you can take that to the bank no pun intended and it's but it's only 20 percent so to keep it very simple, what they're looking to do is flip it and say, you know what, 80% of our funding should be solid uh, money that we can count on that should come from schools and the 20% should come from the tournaments. And, uh, and then we could always, if we do particularly well, we can always refund 
portion of that to the schools. So that's that in a, in a simplest layman sort of ways is, is what is the, is the way they're looking to turn around this big boat, you know, and, and, and flip that 80, 20 uh, in terms of where those, those, where the 80 is coming from, where's the 20 coming from. Right. And <clears throat> you mentioned the pandemic exacerbated the situation and kind of showing how these state tournaments, you know, when they're not held, for example, the boys basketball tournament, when that wasn't held, that, that turn helped turn what had been a year when the, the league was uh, expected to, you know, was hoping it would be able to record a, you know, a surplus or have more, bring in more revenue than it would spend <clears throat> in expenses. It, that combined, well, that, that was a big driver in sort of turning the financial picture around for this year. And now they're not, you know, they're going to be back in a deficit situation. Um, the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the question of how, to, how much can the schools bear, the, the league had already taken steps. And again, this was before the pandemic hit. The league had already taken steps to uh, raise the fees that schools would, would be paying for this upcoming school year to help kind of address some of the concerns they had even going into uh, this year. Is that, do I have that right? Right. Yeah. And, and so th there was, the schools were already put on notice that they're going to be putting, you know, pay, you know, footing more of the bill. And two of the members of the board of directors who are also ADs, I mentioned Russ Reeds from Prior Lake earlier, Troy Stein from Edina is another one. They both said that, and, and they, they, they operate two of the larger high schools with, with, you know, both of them with very robust programming. So they're they're getting nailed on you know all the fees <laughs> that you could get nailed on, um, but then they but they said you know what we feel like that we're it's 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 there's value in it we feel like it's the right thing to do we feel like we're paying paying our fair share and you know we're prepared to do more as needed uh, the belief is that that the high school league um, is, is is enough of a value for everything it provides for its member schools that the schools can and should be paying more that's that's the opinion of a lot of the board members um and we'll see how that how that flies when they when they take that message because that's part of what this task force is going to do it's not just going to kind of figure out a, a sustainable amount its other job is to get the word out and to and to get schools on board with this well, it ought to be a, an interesting, you know, it certainly is an interesting time to be taking that message to schools, obviously with the uncertainty of what, what, what the upcoming year looks like. Um, again, those are, that's a big challenge for the, for the high school league to take on. I think it's made no secret of the fact that it, it runs some pretty good, some pretty nice state tournaments. The venues that are held, that these tournaments are held in are, you know, among the best in the Twin Cities. And, uh, you know, it's not a, it's a well-run or they're, they're they're kind of coveted experiences for kids to, to be able to participate in state tournaments. My sense is they want to keep that going but in order to pull it off they're, they're going to be asking the schools to do more and you know that's always a difficult message uh, to, to, to bring back to schools. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, Going back to the question you posed earlier about kind of what the, what's what are we going to hear from the governor in a couple of weeks and what does that mean for sports? Uh, 
You got a gut feel on what you'd like to see happen? You got an opinion that you want to share? Uh, you know, I, I've, I'm a father of um, a 13-year-old who is involved in soccer and basketball and golf. Of course, golf has been, you know, pretty easy to come back. Um, soccer, um, she'll have, she'll actually travel to Hudson, Wisconsin on Thursday evening to have a scrimmage against the team over there. And, and, it's, and in um, basketball, she's going inside the, the gymnasium for, for some summer training. And so I feel like, and, and other board members um, articulated this, I feel like youth sports is showing that we can probably offer something and we should, I, I, I don't think it's wise to say, well, you know, we're just, and, and, I, and I know this has happened at other levels to say, well, let's, let's just shut it down. I think you can, you can try to start on a very something really modest and something where you can, you know, exert as much control as possible and then see where it goes from there. If it, and if it, and if you find out you can add a little more then fine. And if you find you need to shut it down because there is some, you know, there's a COVID situation. Well, then, then that's what you need to do. I think though, the challenge is if you, if schools are distance learning, how do you, how do you say, well, we can't be in school all day, but we can have activities that, that would be a tough sell. So, yeah, I, I, but I, but I, I would like to see them start with something modest in the fall and to at least say we tried. Yeah. A, I mean, that's a fair point. I, I, I found myself earlier this summer thinking that it would be difficult to get all sports going just from a logistical standpoint, given how, Know, how much time has sort of already gone by and really not you know, having a clear sense of what the state will allow schools to do. Um, and again, we're, we're kind of spitballing here and trying to anticipate how things might turn out. But it does seem if the state moves in to allow some kind of in-school education to happen, that that's, that's a window that the high school league would use to say, okay, then let's try to offer something, you know, whatever it looks like uh, for kids to do as well. Uh, if this, if the decision is to stay full bore on distance learning, um, then it's going to be more challenging for the high school league to, to say, well, you know, we know participation matters. We know kids want to be active. We think it's healthy and good for kids. But how do they, how do they deliver that message if the schools themselves are closed? But my, my gut. Tells me that maybe this time we'll see more of a, you know, that hybrid approach to education, and that will allow a, a high school league to do something that would allow some of those ideas that you mentioned before. Uh, what will be challenging as all get out is how do you manage that, given how, you know, kind of every team, every group of kids, every school, every city, there's so much, you know, so much uh, variance out there. You see it in how people are approaching wearing masks. You know, I mean. Um, if there's that kind of division among the population uh, on something as fundamental as the mask issue, um, how do you execute that? How do you how do you carry out sports and activities with some parents maybe having different levels of concerns than others? So it's it's definitely going to be a, a challenge. But I think you're right in that we've seen youth sports kind of fire up here and at least get going in some aspect. It seems like the high school league ought to be able to, you know, model that approach and get something going in the fall as well. 
Well, and I think that the high school league, we, we talked about this earlier. I think the high school league and the schools, I think have done a great job in terms of controlling what they can control. It's getting the kids to understand when you leave here, you have to stay vigilant and you don't have to live in a bubble, but you have to stay vigilant. You know, you, you can't pile six kids into a car. You can't, you know, there's just some things you got to put on hold right now. And, and, you know, if you, if you're thinking about being invincible and everything else, you just, you need to, you know, you need to take one for the team. Uh, John Malay of the high school league retweeted an article that uh, a column that appeared, I think in Kentucky. And the whole point of the column was essentially wear a mask but it, it talked about it in sports terms. You know, when, you, when you're an athlete in baseball and, or in softball, sometimes you get up on, on, in a situation and you'll be asked to lay down a sacrifice bunt to, to make it better for a teammate. You know, or you'll be asked in, in football, you know, you're not the target receiver on this play, but you run your route hard anyway. It's the same type of sacrifice is, is, was the point of this uh, column was, you know, Sacri- you know, wearing a mask is, is for, for a greater good. And, and it, it just, it was an interesting way to, to frame that, that whole, um, that whole point of view. And, and I think it's, it's something that kids probably need to, you know, take a deep breath and, and, and buy into a little bit more because it, it it's the, probably the easiest way to put yourself in the best position to keep problems away from you or to keep your problems away from somebody else. Yeah, that's well said. That's well said. Is that a good point to jump off on and say uh, we've exhausted what we can tell people today? Or you got any final thoughts you want to share? I work at home, but you're still in charge. You you tell me what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we call that a podcast? Let's uh, you know we're in two weeks. Uh, at this time, hopefully, we'll know the situation for schools uh, and, and be able to shed some light on what that's going to mean for fall sports. I know you'll be uh, off that week. Uh, you've got some important matters to take care of on the home front. And so I'll try to see if we can get Jim to join me and pick up this conversation again and uh, get the talking preps back going. And maybe at some point we can start talking about sports again. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, I found myself the first, I'll be honest, the first couple of weeks I thought, this is actually a nice time to catch my breath. And then I, and then I, it, when you, it set in that this wasn't temporary, it, it, then you started to think about what you were missing. And I, I did a blog update about, you know, missing the Hamlin elite meet on that Friday night in, in late April. And then I, uh, you know, I found myself in June, same thing. I, I, had, I had gone up to cover that, uh, the, uh, I think it was the Minnesota PGA senior classic that they put on for the golfers. And, and I was thinking to myself, geez, you know, normally this, this is where I'd be for this, you know, the second day of the, of the 3A golf championship and, and all the people that would be around and all of the things, all the excitement that the athletes conveyed about being part of a winning team or being the individual medalist and, and all that was lost. And, and that's, that's a shame. So I, I will, I will be very much appreciate, appreciating in, in, in a great, a greater depth when we can return to, to being out there and, and to, uh, and to see, and to see these events for sure. Well, let's hope that happens sooner rather than later. Uh, thanks for joining us on uh, talking preps today. Uh, again, this is Paul Claudio along with David Levake, and we will be back with our next podcast when we have an update on the school situation. So thanks for joining us.